We can all stand for the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. Dive right into it. Once again, we're grateful everybody's here. We'll continue to stay missional, but be wise as well. Amen. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 and 22. It's a scripture that you're probably familiar with. But I would pray that you would hear with uh, new ears and let it fall on ground that will bear fruit. Amen. It says, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Every time I open the word of God, it reveals something about God. It reveals something about me. One of the most profound things that I have learned is that with me, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He is infinite and I am finite. He has unlimited resources and I have but a few. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, present in all places at all times, and I am not. He knows the beginning from the end and I do not. And the reason we have Genesis to Revelation is because there's a whole story that needs to be told. As I read more and more, there is something that keeps coming up, something that keeps jumping off the pages, and it's this, trust. Trust. From Genesis to Revelation, there seems to be this overwhelming reminder, in God will I trust or not? You see, if you don't decide now, if you don't make this a reality in your life, you'll get caught up with the frenzy, the paranoia, and the anxiety and the fear of the day. So what we're going to talk about today is our faith in action when things seem to fail us. But you have to understand that if you don't decide now to trust God, what's going on around us will captivate you. The paranoia and anxiety, the world is looking to us to see what this body of people who cry out to God every day are going to do. The administration has called today for a national day of prayer because, as you know, many churches are closed. There has been a limit, a cap placed. If you have a congregation larger than 250, you should close down. But he said, during that time that you're supposed to have service, you should be on your knees and on your faces crying out to God. It's amazing how tragedy even gets those with stiff knees to call for prayer. 
I say this only to say that in this story that we're going to look at, I've seen this story often be told, and it's always told from the view of this young ruler giving up his stuff. And how he goes away sad because he has this stuff. In Matthew, again, 19 verses 16 and 22, we find a crossroad moment. And if we look closely, it's going to reveal something about God and about us. You see, we all have those crossroad moments. Most often when I hear this preached, again, it's preached from the perspective of how this young man was asked to give up his stuff. Stuff that he had relied on all his life, things that he may have inherited and one day wanted to pass on to his children, things that provided him with security, comfort, and gave him a moral standing. But despite all these things, he finds himself in this place in his life where he's still asking a question. What must I do to enter eternal life? What's what must I do about eternity? This is a question that we all wrestle with. It's been a question that's been wrestled with throughout the ages, a question that has to be answered, a question that people are still stunned by. Some people say, this is it. After we're done here, nothing happens. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. And the Bible's been around a lot longer than a lot of these religions that are propped up in opposition to the Bible. Like when you look at Islam, it started in 522. Like, like you have to see that the years that it comes up. And what it does is it, it, it and you see Hindu, you see Buddhism, they, they begin to, to branch out and have these moments where they begin to move away from the God of the Bible. And they begin to trust in things. And I want us to be mindful to keep our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. I want us to stay focused on what God is doing because there is a big picture here that, that we cannot see because we're finite beings. Like, like I myself never pictured myself here. What I mean by here means this age. Like the age that I am. I thought that there would be a moment in my life where I would succumb to some kind of violence or, or something else. You know, and, and, and at the end of this year, I turned 60. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I think 60 is the new 40, right? It's the new 30. <laughs> I, I say that only to say that outside of my brother who, you know, is out there still in the grips, I become the oldest male in my family. Like, really, I, I, that dawned on me as I'm getting closer and closer that I think about because violence has, you know, grabbed, you know, my family, you know, uh, whether it's that or illness has grabbed my family. And, and be, because I've come to a place where I am accepting of what God has for me, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. And there's stuff going on around me. There's stuff personally going on in my life as well. But I look at this text and I realize there's something going on here that we need to see. First of all, he comes to Jesus to acknowledge him as a great teacher, a master. He has come seeking answers about eternity. And you read verse 16, it says, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? If you're taking notes at this moment, all over that scripture, I will put the word works. 
He's saying, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? As if eternal life is something that you can do, something that you can perform, something that you can cling to, something that's going to propel you into the afterlife. And like Nicodemus, there is this eternal question that needs to be answered. It's a discussion for the ages. This conversation, this exchange is not about his things. This conversation is about trust. His question was sincere. He was not here trying to trap Jesus, as most people who came to him were trying to trap him and set him up, have him say something that will get the religious people of the time to say, you see, that's what he's doing. Jesus responds to him in verse 17. He says, but if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Now, you've got to come closer with this. Because look what he says in his response. Which ones? <laughs> Which ones do I keep? See, one, one, I, I've read somewhere that if you break one, you break them all. Right? So what's the reverse? I have to be able to keep them all. And Jesus said to him, I love this, because Jesus said to him, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not hear false witness, bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All these commandments reveal something about him. See, he seems to be good with relationships here. On this level. All these commandments talk about relationships with someone else. But not the relationship with God. Because the first one tells us that we should not have or worship any other God or any other thing. And you know what happens when you worship something else? That thing becomes your God. It becomes your idol. Those idols demand sacrifices from you. Your time, your talent, your treasure now belongs to that idol. And when I say idol, you know, anything that keeps us from God, anything that keeps us from fully being in with God, you know, I had this conversation the other day because sometimes you say, God, I, you know, bless me, I need a house, and we get a house, and then all of a sudden we don't come on Sunday because I'm, I'm, you know, that's when we have to mow the lawn. We ask God for clothes, and all of a sudden Sunday is when we have to do laundry. So there's, there's this thing that now becomes this thing that draws our attention, and we go there more than trusting in God. So this question is asked, and Jesus tells him these things, and immediately his response you know what he says? The young man said, all these things I've kept from my youth. Puffs out his chest and says, hey, I'm getting in. <laughs> I'm going to have to turn your life. You know what I've done? I've kept all these things. Since I was a kid, I've been doing these things. I've been taking care of people. I've been giving to the poor. I've honored my mother and father. You know, I've been a pillar of my community. You see, his wealth gave him peace and security. His religious works gave him a sense of piety. His accomplishments reminded him of his ability. But what happens when all these things are stripped away? When all these things that made promises but didn't deliver? What happens to us? And that's why the question beckons today. In God, will you trust or not? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Yes. Ooh. Yes. He just went after his gods, small g. Right. Right. He just 
challenged him, poked at his faith. How often do we wind up putting so much weight on someone else to resolve our problems? How often do we seek the blessing that only God can provide for us from someone else or something else? I believe that we'll come out of this as we have in the past. God is faithful and God has promised that he will return. But I often find that throughout history, when the church has had to step up and fill that void, we haven't. And I'm saying that there are moments like this that allow us to cease the opportunity to share the gospel with people who are in great panic, great anxiety, paranoia. I don't know about you guys, but I got charged with going to the supermarket the other day. And uh, I bought a home water that was a little too expensive because they didn't have the Poland Spring. Um, but the shelves were crazy. And I, and I saw the, the ugliness of people. You know? The, 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 the ugliness of people vying for the same resources. And um, it kind of scared me. Because those who are fearful and those who are suffering from anxiety and paranoia in the midst of everything that's going on will begin to act a particular way. I ride the trains all the time and I'm in school and please pray that the mayor decides to shut down the schools so I can flee to the Caribbean. <laughs> but um, I just forgot to say that. <laughs> But I say that only to say that <clears throat> I rode the train the other day and uh, the train was kind of crowded a little bit. But you can see over people that there was a whole seat that was empty. And, you know, I wanted to sit down and I noticed I tried to get through the crowd and then I paused because I noticed why it was empty. There was an Asian lady with a mask sitting And I thought to myself, ah, that's why the seat is empty. I sat down next to her. Now, I also rode the bus the other day. Uh, we take a bus from our house now, and the light rail is down, and we take a bus, a shuttle bus. And I was telling my wife, I said, honey, there was only two people on the bus. It was me and the driver, and he was Asian. He was an Asian driver, and he had a mask and wouldn't talk to me. But I say this to say that, hey, we're going to take precautions. But seize the moment to be able to witness to what God is doing in your life and what God will continue to do in our lives. See, this rich young ruler has spent his whole life trusting in things, in things he could control, the things he had invested, all his efforts in. Sometimes we do not believe that we should, not because God is so hard to trust, 
but because we have invested so little time building our trust in him. There will be moments in our lives when we are faced with cold hard facts that God does not answer our prayers the way we want him to. We hold in one hand what we know to be true. That God is love and that his will is perfect. But in the other hand, we hold tragedy and pain. And it can seem impossible to reconcile the two. But this we must. This young man finds himself at this crossroad with this again. In God, will I trust or not? Will following Jesus cost me something? In John chapter 12, verse 25, the message says this. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, somebody say, let it go. Let it go. Reckless in your love, you'll have it forever. Real and eternal. In verse 22, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In other versions of scripture, you will find that the word is translated sad or grieved, which give it more weight. To be grieved is something that deep inside of you, you feel. How often do we go away grieved when God doesn't answer in the way we want? How often because we hold wristwatches and say, God, if you don't show up this way at this time, if you don't save my children, if you don't heal this relationship, if, if you don't take care of my marriage, if you don't increase my finances, how often do we put God on a clock? And when things don't happen the way we want them to, we begin to wonder if God can be trusted. Well, I'm here to remind you that from Genesis to Revelation, if you just take one scripture and camp out on that, and that could be your life verse, but that life verse has a thread all the way back to the eternity of eternities where he said, let us create, let us do, let us move on behalf of humanity. Let me create someone who will bear my image and carry out the plan that I have hashed in heaven. You see, the people that need to know love would only know love by those who have been recklessly loved. And the people that need peace will only experience peace by those who have peace. And people who don't understand that when you're happy, you're happy because the circumstances are right, but you're joyful because you know no matter what happens, there is a God who is for you. The God who will provide for you, and the God who will keep you, the God who will put a hedge around that which he has given you for his glory. Amen? There are many things that we've trusted in. There are many things that we have depended on. And they have disappointed us. They have let us down. And oftentimes, again, we wonder about God when he doesn't answer the way we answer I just recently learned that my, my aunt, my mother called me. It's an aunt I haven't seen for a while. And uh, my, uh, my mom called me from Florida and said, hey, you know, you need to go over there because so-and-so. And then my wife told me, hey, you should go. Uh, don't wait for them to call you. Just go. And I went over there and um, learned that she's on uh, life support. And, and what that means is that the family has come to a decision where we have to um, disconnect the machines. And even that day when I went to visit her, they limited the amount of people that could be 
bedside to one person because of the coronavirus. So now we got family coming in and trying to get there and we were able to speak to the doctors ultimately and say, hey, we need a place where the family, we can all gather and um, you know, we can all say our goodbyes and then um, we pull the plug. I say that only to say that my prayers have been, God, don't let us suffer anymore. If you raise her up, great. If you don't raise her up, I'm great. See this, you have to understand that at the end of the day, and this is a struggle I have with some of my, my family now, is, 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 you know, holding on when she specifically has said, don't put me on any machines. She didn't want to be hooked up to anything. And but my um, my cousin, in a sense of panic, you know, plugged her in, and now they have to make a decision to take her off. I'm okay. Whatever God is going to do, I'm okay. Amen. And, and I think that all of us have to come to a place in our lives that whatever God is going to do, He knows best. And because he knows best, we have to prepare ourselves to accept his will for this moment, this time, and in our lives. There's a great movie that's come out now, and I'm not here to plug a movie. Only because I've looked at the write-ups. Anybody, anybody before you go to movies now, actually read what it's about? Or you just go in and buy some popcorn, right? Anyway. I do that because obviously um, I, we've had instances where me and my wife have paid for a movie and then we go in and she'll look at me and I look at her and let's go. And, and after a while of spending money on that and having to leave, it doesn't help. But there are things that we watch and she's really uh, strict about that. She reminds me of that constantly. And uh, so there's a movie that just came out. It's a story of Jeremy Camp. Anybody remember Jeremy Camp? music is amazing, right? There's a song that he wrote, I Still Believe, and, and you can, you know, get it on YouTube and listen to it. But one of the themes shared throughout the film is this idea that God, like the master painter, created the cosmos, trillions of stars, light years away, creating a beautiful masterpiece just for us, and just like he uses every individual star to create a bigger picture, he does the same for our stories of suffering. Long story short, Jeremy Camp sees this girl immediately falls in love with her, says, this is my wife, and they start um, dating. She's a believer, he's a believer in the midst of it. They start making plans, and they're just loving on each other. In the midst of their relations, she develops stage three ovarian cancer. And, of course, he prays to God, and he does the most craziest thing against his family's wishes. He asks her to marry him. She's praying the same thing in a separate room, and of course, he says to God, God, if she says yes when I ask her, I'm married. And of course, she says yes, and they get married. It's amazing, the story, because he uses all of us, all our studying, intricate, and very good, for every very good purpose. My favorite thing about this film is I've watched trailers, and I've watched, and I've read into it, and there's a whole Christian blog that has written something about it. And it says that the film does not shy away from the realities of suffering as a Christian. The heartache does not disappear just because you pray. It is not all sunshine and rainbows. As faithful as she was, it was still heart-wrenching to watch her shave her head during chemo. 
And as much as Jeremy Camp prayed, he still had deep doubts and questions. But she does this at the very end of the film. She says this, that blessings are not better than suffering. There are two sides of the same coin. Both bring us closer to the heart of God. Long story short, if you haven't read it, it's an amazing movie. It's a romance, of course, but it's about God. She dies. And out of that, because there's another statement that she makes, there's another statement that he makes, because his father sits with him. And he says, because he has these doubts, and he says, Dad, you pray for your ministry to flourish, and you have to shut down. We prayed that our brother would be born healthy, and he was born with a disability. I prayed that God would save her, and she dies. Out of that was birthed this song. Because her comments as she's leaving, she says this. She says, there's a bigger picture here that you don't see right now. And maybe our story will save many. The song I still believe is that story. That with his doubts and everything, I will still believe. It's amazing, isn't it? Don't get caught up with the frenzy. Don't get caught up with the paranoia. Don't get caught up with the anxiety. You want to wash your hands a hundred times? Here's what I know as a science teacher. The more you wash, the less covering you have. So just be mindful of that. Be mindful of um, how often we do it. Of course, I'm not here to say not to do it. I'm constantly now, I, like I said, I work in a school and I got high students that want to give me high fives and pounds and all I'm doing today is <laughs> kicking. So it's a little TikTok thing. It's like, hey, come here. <laughs> um, so I'm grateful for this experience again because there are moments like this that reminds us that we get to these crossroads in life where we have to decide whether I'm going to trust God or not. Whether this God who uh, is a blessing and this God also who, you know, the blessing that may come may not come the way you want it to. Like the prayer for me is just that, Lord, I'm good. Whatever you're going to do, I'm okay with. We can withstand the trial safely in the shelter of God's promises. I know that to be true because in Psalm 119, 14, it states this, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. That's where I'm going to camp out. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14, the message reads like this. On a good day, enjoy yourself. On a bad day, examine your conscience. God arranges for both kinds of days so that we won't take anything for granted. It's easy to worship the things. It's easy to hold on to things. It's easy to say, I'm going to trust in this more than I trust in God. I'm not trusting in this administration. I'm not trusting in science. I do know this. That God has started something and he's not finished. Amen. And, and, and for me, it's just this hope that I have in the word that reminds me that God will return. Yes. But as he tarry, we must be that church. We must be those people. And, and again, listen to me because I can be misinterpreted. I'm not saying don't do this, don't do that. We're going to take precautions. We're going to be wise. We're absolutely going to do that. 
But on Thursday, we had a young man who walked in. A young man who needed counseling, needed to be loved, needed to be heard, needed some clothing, needed a pair of shoes. And a couple of men in the room that had just come off the street. We were able to minister to him. And I contacted him over the phone and reached out to him. He said, thank you. No pastor has ever called me back. Until he tarries. We must do that which God has called us to do. And if out of all this, as the young lady in the movie said, if one person out of all this gets saved, we're good. So use these moments to remind us of the great commission that have been given to us. Amen? I thought of a way of illustrating this, and I'm going to need a, a volunteer to come on up. So Sledge, can you come up here a minute? Please, thank you so much. I love that name, Sledge. Sledge. I, I didn't make that up. That's his name, Sledge. 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 I, I did not make that up. So I need you to stand right here, right here where these things are. Awesome. As you can see, these boxes are labeled, right? Relationships, children, finances, health, friends, family. And these are the things we cling to, right? These are the things that we uh, rely on in the sense of, okay, if my relationships are going well, then, then I'm okay. I'm going to hold on to that. If, 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 if my family is okay, I'm going to hold on to that. You're, you're going to have to do this with me, okay? If, 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 if my friends are, you know, I'm going I'm to rely on my friends to do that. And, 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 and of course, my children, I can't leave my children out, right? We've got to put our children in, right? Now, God is telling us to trust him with these things. Amen? Amen? Right? He's telling us to trust him. But here's what you're doing. You're holding on to them. The Bible says that we should cast our cares upon the one who cares for us. Amen? That we should not lean on our own understanding. Why? Because at the very beginning I said that we're finite beings. We have limited resources. There's only so much. I can't tell what's happening around the corner. I only know this. That the more I hold on to these things, the less opportunity I give to God to work things out in those things. Amen? Amen. So, so I, I, you okay there? Okay. Good, good. So, so, you see, Sledge has all these things that he's holding on to, right? Now, now this, 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 this represents the blessing of God. Now, God's blessing may be not be your answered prayer. It may be that in the midst of all that's going on, God wants to give you peace. Amen. He wants to give you more of himself. Does everybody understand that? I think that oftentimes we think that God is his genie in the Bible and he should work everything out for us whenever we ask. And we ask, we want three more wishes. <laughs> These things represent God's blessings, but it's God himself wanting to come into that. Now, here's God wanting to come into Sledge's life. Come on, grab it. Right? Here you go, grab it. It's a big blessing from God. More and more of himself. Can you get it? God wants to come into those moments in your life where chaos and frenzy and fear, because I tell you, we are limited. There's only so much we can do in these situations. And worry and anxiety is one. And the Bible says that we should be anxious for nothing. 
for nothing. Now, 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 hey, what, what about this now? Cast those things to the side. Just drop them. Nothing. Now the blessing of God comes into his life. He's cast his cares to the one who cares for him. He's laid them at the cross and said, God, I'm here. And now God wants to come in. What does he do? God wants you to give it over to him, to trust him. Thank you so much, lads. Appreciate that, man. You're great. Give it, give it. In God, will I trust or not? God has promised in Isaiah, he says this. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When, in, when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. And God, will I trust or not? That's a decision you have to make today. Let's cast our cares to the one who cares for us. The blessing of himself awakes us that he would insert himself in that moment where oftentimes we find ourselves desperately clinging and holding to things rather than openly receiving God into our lives. Let's bow our heads. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. nothing upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I am deeply grateful that you are my God who has promised never to leave me or forsake me. I trust your word that nothing shall be able to separate me from your love, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm ashamed to confess that sometimes in the last couple of weeks, my heart has been troubled with fear. As I look at the trouble and turmoil in the world today, sometimes I'm afraid to face a difficult problem in my personal life. Pray that you forgive my little faith, increase it in your loving kindness and in your almighty power, that I may overcome my fears and meet every trying experience with confidence in you. You are a promise keeper. You are a protector. 
You're a provider. You're all that I need. So make your strength perfect in my weakness. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to say, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. And Lord, thank you so much. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.